I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And welcome to the All Stats Aren't We review of the Aston Villa away game and a preview of the Brentford home game. I'm Darren Driver, the predictable and monotonous early concession of the podcast. We can all see the problem, but how do we solve it? And I'm here with Tom Alderson, we're hanging our hopes on his youth and his vibes. Save us, Taldo. Save us. And I'm here with Martin Riley, the Ilian Melier late booking of the podcast. It's funny to look at, but it worries you when you think about it. How you doing, Martin? You all right? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Um, I've had a pretty relaxed day for most of it. Went to um, have some breakfast this morning um, at, um, I forget what it's called now, that place which does the all-you-can-eat, uh, Toby's, that's it. Went to have, have an all-you-can-eat breakfast at Toby's, so I had a good breakfast and I've also had food before I started tonight as well, so I've had a good day. Martin's a good day. I mean, you know, if if he's fed, that's a good day. That's a good day. Tom Alderson, are you fed? Yep, I literally had my dinner about ten minutes ago, so I'm I'm good and fed and ready to go. Excellent. What did you have? I had some chicken and potatoes and chestnuts. It was lovely. Ah, oh, lovely. I I had cockavan made for me by uh, by uh, by my lovely wife. So that was that was also very nice. Very nice. Um, have either of you read any interesting interviews with Jesse Marsh today, which may or may not have been published on a on a on a website? I actually um, ignored all of it, so if someone could just catch me up quickly. Um, I've, I've okay. kind of got, I've got the gist of what's going on, but if someone wants to spell it out for me, so then I can uh, complain about it, that'd be good. Yeah, there's a lot to digest in that particular um, transcribed in- interview. Unfortunately, there's no video of it because. Some people have been saying, oh, well, you don't know what he's saying, you don't know what his facial expressions are like, like he could be tongue-in-cheek, but we know what Marsh is like. Um, Jesse yeah. Marsh noted for his sense of irony. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so he said he said a lot, didn't he? Um, and, and that's not unusual for Jesse Marsh. And it, it was kind of basically a remix of the Jesse Marsh hits. Uh, talked about stress 
and talked about tactical clarity and talked about giving the players an opinion, a couple of subtle digs at Bielsa for good measure. Um, well, not that subtle, to be honest. Um, and then, and then some, some, uh, something about um, how he likes to uh, speak to players about what order they came in uh, from their sibling pack. To which, to woo, we have a question from Tom Woodhead, uh, Tom Woodhead uh, and he said, "What is the birth order of whoever appears on the pod? I.e." In, where do you fall in your sibling line because it's the only way that he can tell whether he should trust in our opinions or not so martin riley do you have siblings and if you do where do you fall in the order i do have siblings um i have two brothers and a sister and i am the eldest um so i'm not sure where that would fall for tom woodhead Mm. if if he's Mm. more of the fact that the eldest is obviously the one who has had to look after the rest of them so should have more trust in him or is it the or is it the youngest who who will who will well yeah less than about my my youngest brother the better fair to say he's not been a good boy but yes <laughs> that, that is my 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 birth order he's not a fine young man no no he's not <laughs> <laughs> excellent okay uh, tom alderson i know you've got a brother because i have in fact met your brother or one of your brothers, I don't know how many you have, um, so please enlighten us. Yep, so that you have met my only brother, and yep. I am the older brother. So okay. is is that a good thing to Jesse Marsh, or is that a bad thing? I, the the only thing I, I, I've seen about this today is that he likes younger brothers because they have to be scrappy and like adaptable to the physical mm. deficits of their older brother, which my, I think my brother is, to be fair, but mm. I don't know. <laughs> Is it, and your brother was was a fine young man, uh, as I recall correctly, and also about nine feet tall, like you, which which um, yeah. which was which was good. Um, I'm also the oldest brother in my in my in my family, uh, older with three younger sisters, and believe me, I had to be scrappy growing up, irrespective of where I came in that in that age. Um, so unfortunately, Jesse Marsh wouldn't like any of us, but that's all right. Because, <laughs> I can't re- guess what? <laughs> uh, anyway, so that, less said about that, the better. So there you go, Tom. We've asked the the, the crucial question of the of the week so far. Um, okay, let's do a quick game summary from the Villa game. Um, Villa scored early, breaking away from a Leeds corner because our corners are one of the opposition's most reliable ways of creating chances against us. More on this later. Um, Leeds had a lot of the ball, most of the territory, and created some some good chances, uh, particularly in the first half. And a combination of good goalkeeping, bad finishing, and the offside flag kept Leeds from scoring. The counter-press seemed to be effective and seemed to be very much in play, with, with Villa struggling to find a way over or through it. And Villa did play a game um, that Leeds could exploit. Most of Leeds' best chances came in a strong spell before, just before, in the 25, 20 minutes before half time. Um, Villa scored with their first and probably only meaningful attack of the second half before Leeds pulled a goal back through Patrick Bamford on 83 minutes after more fantastic work, work by, uh, by Nyonto. Um, so that 
sums up the game, I think. Um, I don't think there's a, a huge amount to say about it other than that. So that concludes the podcast for today. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, so uh, question one of the interrogation, and I'm going to come to you first with this, Tom. Uh, Jesse Marsh said that it was the most complete performance since he became coach. My question to you is very simple, Tom. Was it good? I, I was quite positive after watching the game, to be honest. I know a lot of people were feeling quite negative. I think that was more on the after a run of what was it two wins in seventeen or something rather than on this performance, which is fair. Um, but I thought the stuff that Marsh wants us to do, we executed well. Um, like I said, the, we counterpressed them well. We struggled; to, they struggled to get out, and like we did have quite a few periods where we didn't create some massive chances, but we I think we created enough, enough over the game to. Deserve to at least probably I I will say we deserve to draw that game. I don't like to say we've won when you've been behind for so long because game state effects and stuff. Um, on on the game state stuff, I thought a lot of people argue because we were behind it inflated our performance, but it didn't feel like a proper game state game to me. And I know Villa sat in, but um, it wasn't in a way where like they just completely shut up shop. Like I think they were just they, they didn't completely change what they would have set out to do. So I think. You can the game state can doesn't account for for me personally. I don't account for it as much as I would in other games. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think we we did create chances. Like again, mainly through vibes. But I I don't usually watch a performance or a game like that under Jesse Marsh and go, you know what, that's not that's not Jesse Marsh's fault. And I, so I think to be fair to him, if it's what we wanted to do, I think we we did what he wanted to do mostly, and I think it was good in that way. Um, Martin, one of the ways that I read the game was that part of the reason, and this is something in, in common with other games where we've done well and other spells in games where we've done well this season, that part of the reason why we were able to um, get on top in the game was because Villa, the way that Villa used the ball, particularly in the areas in the back third, their back third of the pitch, really allowed us to get our counter-press involved and they didn't they didn't take the necessary tactical steps that you would expect a team to do to avoid it, i.e. go over it, go wide of it, go around it, um, which is what we've seen a lot of teams do. It seems to me that Villa seemed to be quite ponderous in their build-up and that allowed Leeds to get to get the, the counter-press moving and, it, and, and into action. What, how did you see it? Um, I'd agree with most of what you just said there. Um, Villa did play into our hands because they did more often try to play through the, through the press than go over it, which surprised me because I've seen a few of their games where they have been happy to go along more often. And I'm not sure quite why they decided to do that, but either way, it did help us. And it also did help that our press was in good form. Um, I especially thought that the both of the two uh, in the pivots, Adams and Rocker were both very good at snapping into the press when it came into the deeper area, so they was very quickly onto it, as well as both on, for both fullbacks as well. Ailing and Strauch were, were both at top form to put pressure on the receiving players, and it just generally did work very well, did what we wanted to do with the press, which was good. So And it did help us to win the ball back in advanced areas to create some chaos, like um, is one of the main game plans of Marsh's football. So I would have to say that overall it was a good performance. I can see what Marsh is talking about when he says it's the most complete performance that we've seen, um, at least going forward. Um, the other end of that is that um, Villa did not create very many chances but the few chances that they did make which were good were 
pretty easy ones, <laughs> all, all things considered. All they had to do was isolate Strauch one-on-one more, on more than one occasion, and they paid dividends. They could have even scored a third at one point. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things for me, which the attack was good, but the, def- the same defensive frailties are coming into play time and time again. If this is what good looks like in Marsh's football, and I think we can agree that this is this is as well as Leeds team has done at Jesse Marsh's football. My question is, is that good enough for you, Martin? Is is this is this what you want to see going forward? Are you happy with with a game that looks like that Villa game being representative of good? Um, it's hard because I, I do think that Villa did, like you said, we've said, play into our hands a bit, and I can't see those set of circumstances repeating themselves enough for us to get that same level of performance because most opposition will either be more capable of playing through our press or happy to go long over it. So yes, if we did see more of those kind of performances, I would be happy, at least attacking-wise. But if we continue to offer up big chances, continue to leave our full-backs isolated against attackers, then I do think that I wouldn't be happy on that that end of it. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tom? I'm gonna say no, mainly because like I know, I know like the the press and the counter press worked quite effectively against Villa, but like like Martin said, they did play into our hands a bit. Like the the attacking side was good, but I think a lot of that is just we've got quite good. We we have good individual players now, like Nyonto and um, like Rodrigo as well. Like just good players that will create chances if you just say to them go and make chances. Um, so I don't worry. I don't think that's a and a product of Marsh's football, and the the product of Marsh's football is that that the defense is bad, the fullbacks are left isolated. We give away even if it's one chance, it's usually a big chance. So for me, it's it's not still not good enough. Like I think if we saw that for the rest of the season, it would be enough to stay up. But I think it's not a long term viable way to be successful in the Premier League. Yeah, and I'm I'm very very strong. I mean, this is going to surprise nobody, but I'm very very strongly in the camp of no. I, I that isn't good enough for me because it's it's re, it's what I consider to be reductive football. Like yeah, you can you can I I can't help but feel that with the playing staff at Jesse Marsh's disposal, he should be able to get more of a tune out of this group of players. And if the if he had an on ball and off and off ball system, which was designed to get the best out of the players that he's got, rather than rather than just kind of play to this one one particular plan. I think we, you know, this team, this squad should probably be more comfortable in the league than it is. And that that if we if he if he had a a system which was designed to allow his the the quality of forward players that we've got some freedom and allow them to play in some sort of space, I think we'd be in a much better position than we currently are. I think I think Jesse Marsh is the biggest thing holding this squad back. Um, and that that's kind of my my view on it, and I'd be really interested to hear your take on it, particularly given that you've both come into this more positive than than I'm feeling right now. I think I, I saw a, tw- a tweet today. Um, it was a video of Rodrigo's second goal against Burnley. I think in what would really be the 2020, 2021 season, our first year back in the Premier League, anyway. And people were like, "Oh, look look at the football we used to play. It's just completely different now." It's like, well, we have a better set of we have a better squad now. I know. I know Rafinha was there, um, but we, our overall attacking players are better. So there is one pretty obvious 
thing that is different between those two teams that has caused us not to be able to play that football. Because yeah, I agree with you that we we have good attacking players. We should be able to play better football. This isn't me wanting to say, oh, let's get Bielsa back. I miss Bielsa. But I think a, a semi-competent manager with some sort of in-possession and out-possession philosophy would do a lot more with this team than Jesse Marsh does. Mm. Martin? Yeah, I'd come on the talk about the team itself. It, it is in a better, a lot better shape now than what it was at the uh, midpoint of last season, where we had a very, very threadbare squad. Um, we didn't do anything really to recruit last summer. We, um, I know, like Tom said, we did let Rafinha go. So while we have lost the probably the best individual player we've had at Leeds for a long time we have gained a more stable squad overall with a lot of quality in it, especially in the attacking players. Players like Nyonto, he's such a fantastic player. And yeah, we have seen some good upsides from him, but but I do think that with a more stable structure around him, he would be able to do even better things than what he already is. I do think maybe a counter-attacking style of play would fit us with this squad with a manager who has got a better defensive shape than what Marsh has, because it's simply not good enough. That is where most of the problems lie for me, is the fact that the same repeatable goals can be scored by any opponent against us. It doesn't matter what opponent it is, they can see that there's ma- masses of space at the far post. Oh, well, we'll just whip it over there. So it's it's just it's these sort of things which are holding these this group of players back, in my opinion. For me, the fact that we can't hold on to the ball at all constantly puts us puts puts the players under pressure and puts the defensive line under pressure. So, so whilst I agree that there are defensive issues, for for me, they're caused by the fact that we can't hold on to the football, and 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 actually that we've got no desire to hold on to the football, and that means that the players need to be pressing like maniacs for the entire ninety six, ninety seven minutes. And that's just not possible. I just don't think that's possible. So in the end, we are going to give up those sorts of chances because we can't ever put our foot on the ball and take control of the game in, in, in a way that would um, allow us a bit of breathing uh, space and a bit of, bit of time. Anyway, um, thinking about our attacking system, is our attacking system just vibes and pressing? And if so, is that okay? Tom? Yeah, I, I would say yeah. Um, I think, as I've said already, I think the players are good enough that we are going to create chances in the game. I don't worry about us having, like, I don't worry that we're not going to create chances in the game, usually, unless it's a, a bigger team or someone that definitely should beat us. Um, I always think that with the players we have, will like, especially Nonto individually, he's just, he can just do something and then out of nothing, really, and then create a chance for us. So, yeah, I think it is as much as I don't like it, and I would rather have like a repeatable actions um, that we'd see in possession. That it's like a more reliable way of creating chances. I'm. It's not my biggest concern at the moment, and I'm happy to, with it as the way it is. Whilst we've got Marsh as as a manager, what do you what do you think, Martin? Because obviously we've talked a lot in recent weeks about how Nyonto is fun and exciting and he's going to create things and I, I think we you know Jack Harrison did all right at, at, on Friday um we've got Sinistera obviously who isn't playing at the moment we've got players you know most of our forward line in an individual moment can can pick the ball up and cause problems uh, in the in the opposition um is this how is this how you want the team to attack it's not my ideal setup of attack but 
I do think it is something which will create chances, not through the way Marsh sets them up, but mainly because of the individual players that we've got and the vibes way that we do attack. Um, Nyonto is able to create chances out of nothing for other players as well as himself. Rodrigo at the moment is at the best spell that I've seen him in a lead shirt, at least when it comes to goal scoring. He's able to take the, make the most of the opportunities that he gets and convert them into goals for most of the games we've seen this season. He's running a bit hot, so I would, would expect him to regress a little bit. But yeah, I do, I do think that it is semi-good, but I would like to see more control personally. But that's just the way I prefer football. Martin, just just for those listeners who don't speak geek, just um, just explain what you mean by running hot and regression, just in case there are people listening who want kind of know what those terms mean. Sure. Um, well, basically, Rodrigo at the, at the moment is scoring goals at a rate beyond what his XG is telling us that he should. Um, so, so far, I, I believe he's scored 10 goals, I think, maybe 11. And last time I checked, his XG was at about 6. So that means that he should have scored only about 6 goals this season. And he's scored quite a few more than that. So the the way XG tells us that as the season pans out, because XG is a long-term thing rather than looking at individual games you look at it over the course of a season or multiple seasons and that will tell us that Rodrigo will have games where he does miss chances over the course of the season unless he does something which is quite not often seen statistically in this, in this sort of manner that he will continue to score at this rate I do expect that he will stop scoring as many as what he has been okay um cool let's think about the defensive then so this is the question which which we we had queued up but Al Fandango also uh, asked it on on our Twitter so uh, we we phrased it as bad defenses bad defenders or bad defensive system um Al asks do you think our defense stroke defenders aren't Premier League standard or is it the system setting us up to fail or is it both Martin I do think there is some bits from both there that so our defenders aren't the best in the league but I do think they are better than what we are seeing at the moment. If they were in a more stable defensive structure where they're able to quickly set up their rest defence and have players spread out in a way which we don't leave masses of space for the opposition to attack in, I do think there will be a lot less pressure on these defenders. As well as the part that we aren't able to solidly keep hold of the ball when we need to. We don't have a structure which is able to do that especially if the opponent is pressing us high, we just can't keep hold of the ball because we aren't set up to do that. Um, we have a team who have been able to do that. Under Bielsa, we generally did manage to keep hold of the ball more often than not. We had um, Ilan Melier, who was, although he had the odd bobble here and there, he was generally pretty stable in um, the, his distribu- distribution, so we were able to use him most of the time. And at the same point, these defenders... They do have their moments where they make mistakes, and that is a little on them and a little on the structure itself. So I, I do think it is a combination of both, which is causing it. It's not one or the other, but I would lean it more towards the structure at the moment than them. So um, what I'm, I think I'm hearing you say, Martin, is something along the lines of you think the the structure exposes the existing weaknesses of the players. Yeah. Exactly. Um, we've got some defenders who are um, don't have the best pace and this sort of system is one which needs a lot of pace to quickly get back into shape. And so, yeah, um, it does definitely expose the 
um, frailties of our defenders. How do you read this, Tom? Yeah, I'd agree with Martin. Everything Martin said, to be honest, um, I was I was having a think the other day about in in the summer what we need, and I'd, I know we've just like we've just signed a left back and a, we signed a right back last summer, but I still think we need two more players for those positions and and a right centre back on top of that. But I think the but the thing with the full backs at the moment, and they might decide in another system that they're they are fine for a Premier League level, is that they are they are being left out to dry like. Um, like Martin said, and we're going to come on to about Strauch later, but you can't just leave those players isolated continuously and expect them to not make mistakes, not not look bad. Um, so yeah, I think it is a bit of both, but I would definitely, I would definitely lean more towards the defensive system causing those players problems that they're they're not really good at dealing with. Yeah. All right. Case example: What is wrong with Pascal Strauch at the moment? Um, he's had to play every game, so he's probably knackered because he's only young. Um, he he's playing out of position and he's done a good job, but you, you can only leave a player out of position in a in a marsh system, especially in the fullback of a marsh system for so long, and not expect the confidence to be beaten out of them from continuously being isolated, and sort of you're making mistakes as a product of the system rather than because you're a bad player. Um, so for for me, he just needs a little bit of time. Like we've got Werber, might not pronounce that right. I just say Wobber normally. Um, he wobber wobber a wobber bob bob. Um, I would just bring him Werber in, play him at left back, give Stroik just even if it's like a couple of games, and then just put him in at left centre back because he's our best defender by an absolute mile. That's what I'd do. That'll fix him. Martin, uh, yeah, um, I'd, I'd agree with what Tom said. I know we to be doing that a lot this pod, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's it's one of those things which Pascal, like I say, has been playing a lot this season, and he's been doing very well playing in a position which he's not played before in his career, and this system doesn't accentuate his strengths in that position either. The fullback parts are especially the ones which need to have good recovery pace and backwards defending and those are two things which Strauch does not have in his locker ask him to positionally defend well and not give up a lot of space in an individual moment he's good with those sort of things as long as he has some support nearby and that is one thing that the fullbacks do not have in this system they don't have the support they need to help them not be isolated against players who they clearly can handle one versus one um, Leon Bailey had the beating of him on more than one occasion and the system didn't help that um, it's not, he is on a run of form where he's not been playing as well as he has been earlier in the season but there is only so long that a player can continue playing as well as he has been doing without him eventually making mistakes when there's this pressure on him constantly to be perfect in the way he's defending Yeah, and, and I d- personally don't like the phrase playing out of position um, because you know, because I think within different setups, position the, the what's required in each position can vary. But what I would say is that in this in this particular system, Strauch has been asked to play in in a role which doesn't suit his strengths, um, and and to do things which which aren't his natural natural game. And they they are the things that you're talking about, uh, Martin. But I just 
I just wanted to. I don't like it when we think rigidly about players in in positions, but but more about what the the attributes that they've got are. Anyway, speaking of attributes, uh, our listener uh, Matthew Cronbopoulos has got a good question about ball retention. He says, with Click gone, Rocker seems to be the only MF, and I assume he means motherfucker um, there, um, around our, around our eleven that can even slightly calm the insane playing pace of the team and can consistently find a teammate. What adjustments to the systems struck personnel would emphasise his strengths or will only a change of coach do that now? Um, and I guess the, the subtext to this question is, is there any way, Martin, that you anticipate Marsh changing his system to buy Rocker a bit more time and a bit more space to do the things that we know he's good at? I don't think there's many not easy fixes to Marsh's system which would let Rocker play to, to all of his strengths. But... I do already think that Marsh's system actually does play to a lot to some of his strengths, which is he's capable of finding targets in congested areas. Um, his his progressive pass stats for the season show that as much. He's up there, um, not far away from Kevin De Bruyne for the amount of progressive passes that he's been playing. He's in the top ten of that f- f- for the whole of the league, so he definitely is using some of his strengths. But I do think that we would be able to make use of more of them if we were able to have more possession of the ball, if we had a structure which was able to let him have more options to pass to that aren't players surrounded by a bunch of other players. And that is one of the main things which would help to accentuate his strengths, in my opinion. So remind me about what a progressive pass is, Martin. Progressive pass is a pass which um, moves the ball towards the opposition goal by at least 10 yards or a pass which ends in the penalty box. Mm. And I guess I guess for me, maybe is there something... Because De Bruyne, you can, you can, in, in your head, if you think about how De Bruyne plays, you can see the space from which De Bruyne would most often play those passes. Now, Rocker, the spaces that Rocker's playing those passes from, in my head... And, and it'd be interesting to see heat maps and things like that and, and pass maps. But in my head, they're much they were in a much more deep position and not, not anywhere near in, in spaces where it can influence our attacking play in the same way that De Bruyne would. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Um, most of the pass, passes that he does do are from deeper areas, maybe just inside our half um, or maybe just going into the opposition half. Um, but whereas I would I imagine most of the progressive passes that De Bruyne makes will be ones which are a lot closer to the penalty area. So yeah, the, it, there is a difference in the type of progressive passes that both of them will be playing. Not for one second saying that um, Mark Rocker is anywhere near on the level of Kevin De Bruyne because he's probably the best midfielder in the world at the moment. Um, so no, that's not what I'm saying. Before anyone tries to misquote me, <laughs> that's that's precisely why I decided to get you to clarify your point there, Martin. <laughs> I figured that. I figured that. You're welcome, uh, Tom. What what do you, what do you make of this? I guess you you would broadly agree with Martin, but um, but what what else have you got? The the only thing that I can think of with this one is I think at the start of the season, Rocker seemed to be dropping into fullback areas more than he does now. And I always really liked that. I thought he like it gave him space on the ball, it gave him time to pick a pass, and he always seemed to we seemed to be able to just sort of progress the ball better with him dropping into his areas. And I feel like he doesn't do that as much now. If if he does still do that, I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but it just from what my viewing is, um, I think part of that he's been played on the right a bit, which kind of affects his sort of body shape, his angles that he can pass, which he probably doesn't like as much. Um, 
and it's probably something to do with trying to be more defensively solid because if, he, if he's in the fullback area the ball goes forward then there's no one in the middle so Marsh probably doesn't like that because he's attempting to play a pass um, yeah that's the only thing I've got to add apart from that I'm once again going to agree with Martin okay um, and the next question is again from Alfandango and um the question is, if Marsh goes, who's your choice to replace him? And I want to say at this point that there is no indication from the club that Marsh is going to go, no matter how much I, no matter how much I wish it to be true. Um, I can't will that into existence, and if I could, I would. Uh, but if Marsh does go, Tom, who would who would be your choice to replace him? Do you have a name, or do you just have like um, footballing ideas that you'd like to see at the club instead? A bit of both. Um, I'm probably not the best person to do this because I don't watch as um, of my wider range of footballers, a lot of people. Um, I'm just going to say not Sean Dyche. I'd like to play that very clear because I think I would enjoy it for about two months and I'd absolutely hate it after that. Yeah, That's two months more than <laughs> I've true. enjoyed Jesse Marsh's football. That is very football. true. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was more, I'd want to go to like more possession-based football, um, more control. I like... Um, I like, I like the Celtic manager that I'm not going to even pronounce to try and pronounce his name because I'm going to make a, a tit of myself. But it's Crombopolis <laughs> Matthews, isn't it? No, it's Poster Cogley. I would like him. Yeah, yeah. We might be too rubbish for him because <laughs> he'll he'll probably go somewhere that's like got a good setup and will allow him time to make his football nice rather than throw him into a relegation battle. Martin, uh, the name which I'm going to say is one which we'll be familiar with, um, Carlos Corberan. Um, I think he's done a good job um, in both of his appointments in the Championship. He Huddersfield didn't have a very good side when he moved, moved to them, but he got them getting results. Um, he may, he tried to do things a more Bielsa way when he first went there, but then he sort of tried to just more keep them solid and win games by narrow margins and then he had a little excursion over to Greece I believe and he had a very fun time there by the sounds of it I think he was sacked after about four or five games but I think it was an awful board structure there which resulted in that but then he's come back to England and with West Brom he's doing very well again they had a poor start to the season and when he came in he did manage to steady their ship and get them generally winning games and also digging out games where they looked to be losing I think the recent game against Luton of theirs I believe where they, they came back to win 3-2 which was great and I think he while he will maybe not be the most exciting choice I do think he could be a stable figure who the fan base would probably take to pretty well because of his relationship with uh, Bielsa who's worked under him so yeah th- that would be my main choice so, other names um, I do like um, Postacoglu I've probably said that name wrong again but <laughs> and um, Andoni Iriola. Um again I'm probably saying that name wrong but there's a f- f- few few managers out there who would be able to do a better job than um, Marsh in my opinion I've got I've got one more name I think we should go for the Notts County manager and I think he should bring his backroom team <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm down I'm down with that they're my favourite team to watch this season so yeah that'll do for me um, can we talk about our, our setup on our offensive corners it seems like an invitation to counter us as we almost have no depth at all um, so yeah who wants to pick this up I'll, I'll, I don't mind um, yeah um, after we conceded um, from the goal against the opening goal against Villa, um, 
we continued to set up in the exact same way for all of the other offensive corners. Um, in fact, one of the ones towards the end of the first half, there wasn't anyone back. Not a single player was in or close to our own half. The deepest player was just on the outskirts of their box. And that is not stable and a way to defend against counter-attacking moments from offensive set pieces when you have a team who don't have any recovery pace. What is going wrong? I'm not sure, is that the team who decides to do that? Or is Marsh just saying, no, do whatever you want on set pieces? Or or just make sure you've got this guy here, this guy there, and doesn't tell them to make sure someone is kept back. I don't know what is going on there, but just the, the more I paid attention to it, the more it wound me up as I kept watching that game, because it kept happening over and over again. When the Villa taught us lesson that you can't have that many players forward quite early in the game, when most of our players should have a good good level of an energy to them, that he was just able to expose them that easily, and it even continued into the second half. There was one particular. I think it may have been for one of the long throws, which our new boy Werber did, and they broke quickly from that. And I'm not kidding. The the slowness of us getting back on one of those was just absolutely dire. There was this trotting back, and especially Wober, who was the one who was, I think, did the throwing. It, the, he wasn't asked to get back at all. <laughs> so yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. No, I don't. I don't like it either. And I think it is. It must be a deliberate tactical decision because we've been doing the same thing all season. So I, I can only imagine that 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 Marsh is trying to overload the box and and gamble on the fact that if the ball is headed out of the box, it'll be headed into a central area not too far out of the box where that where that player will be will be there um, ready and waiting. Um, it's it's not it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but you know that's not again not unique uh, in, in this style. Uh- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um. Okay, let's think about the, the Brentford game, which is on Saturday. We're gonna, we are going to ignore the Cardiff game because cup football is not real football. Um, so, Martin, how do Brentford play these days? Um, pretty much the same way they always had. Um, I haven't been, when I really watched, when I watched them, I, I wasn't able to notice anything majorly different to the way they've always set up since we've been in the Premier League. Um, although one difference is uh, their shape seems to be a little different um, some some games. And um, mainly they've been playing like a 3 5 2, right? Or a 3 4 3. Um, but actually, this season they've split it pretty evenly between a 4 3 3 and a 3 5 2. So we have seen a bit, a bit of a. I'm not sure if, if that's tactical or if that's. Um, 
related to the players being available for that system. Um, I I didn't didn't notice that Rico Henry was out and he's one of their better wing-backs, so it's potentially that they didn't have the personnel to play 3-5-2 at all times, so they just mix things up a bit. But yeah, they like to sit in a pretty solid... Um, I'd probably say mid to low block, more mid than low. Um, they generally press in wider areas. They don't commit too many men to the press. It's generally just the closest man to where the ball is will press them. Like I said, mainly in the wider areas, they depress more intensely. They are happy to go long when they need to. Um, they have a good outlet in Ivan Tony, but they are more than capable of playing it on the ground if they need to, in my opinion. They're fond of hitting deep crosses and are strong from set pieces. And they have a few... Pretty capable ball carriers dotted around who can cause us problems. Uh, players like Josta Silva and Johan Wieser. So yeah, they've um, pretty much how, how you would expect Brentford to play, as I have been doing. And that sounds exactly as they approached the game at their place earlier on in the season. Which, um, if if you all will recall that game for a moment, didn't didn't go particularly well uh, for Leeds on the day. A five-two defeat, if I recall correctly. Um, and how do you ex- expect them to approach this game, Tom? Do you think it'd be very much to that same formula? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I don't think they'll they'll need to change too much. Like they are quite adaptable, Brentford. To be fair, if they see a weakness, but they've you could argue that even even like under both Marsh and Bielsa, they've kind of had our number a little bit. Um, even going back to Bielsa's first season, it felt like I think we and obviously we won famously on the last day last year but I'm pretty sure they had their Christmas party the night before which was <laughs> played into our hands a bit um, so yeah I'd, I think they'll just they'll stick with what they know is, is going to work Excellent uh, and how do you expect Leeds to uh, line up then um, so Martin if you give us the, the shape and, and, and that and if Tom if you give us the, the players um, I, I would expect it to be similar sort of shape to what we've had 4-3-3 um, out of possession, four two three one ish, maybe more like a four two two two, whatever usual mass shape that you go for. I can't imagine he'll change to um, some weird three at the back formation. Um, it's not it's not outside the realm of possibilities, but I still would imagine it will be pretty consistent with what we've seen recently. Uh, players, I think I imagine we'll get to the point where it's strike. I think he'll drop him. Um, Werber's probably had a bit more time with the squad now, so he can he can play. So I say what Werber, Cooper, Cock, and um, pro- probably Ailing, I'd say. Um, then Rocker and Adams in front as usual. Um, who are we going after that? Rodrigo, Nonto, and then I, I've I've just got a feeling that he'll that he'll drop Aronson, but I can't decide who for. He might just throw Harrison in, or or I'm, I'm not sure. To be honest, he'll probably just play Harrison, won't he? But that, yeah, that that third position is kind of it's kind of a bit of a. So you're thinking Harrison, Aronson, and Nyonto yeah. again in the yeah. in the, as the three? Yeah, yeah. Um, any chance of Bamford? Do you think? I I'm gonna say no. I just I think he'll be. I think he'll be one to build him up, and I don't think he would. He'd play him with Rodrigo. Um, we've also got our new signing who could go straight in as well. Of course, of course, we completely neglected to mention that at the start of the show, we which, about is it last week, dili- we, which is incredibly, incredibly diligent of us to um, forget to mention that he was that he had. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, 
Uh, you all knew anyway. We didn't need to say. We're not breaking. We're not a breaking news podcast. Look, listen. If you're listening to this podcast for breaking news, you're listening to the wrong bloody one. Why don't you just look at the internet? That's what it's for. We're not. We're not here to tell you what's happened. We're just here to tell you what we think about what's happened. All right. Anyway. Uh, as you were. Um, so, tactical issues. Um, Martin, where are Brentford going to be vulnerable? Uh, I think in deeper areas, they do lack pace. Um, so, I think out of the pace of our attack is our, probably the best thing to get out their vulnerabilities. Get the ball quickly to Nanto and Harrison and let them carry the ball. Um, try to keep Rodrigo central and not dropping too deep. So we do have an option for our ball carriers to pass to after they do get into the advanced areas. Um, I also do think that we may be able to force them into mistakes if they decide not to go over our press. Um, so that is also another possibility. Um, but I do, th- I do think they'll be more likely to go over the press. But yeah. Mm. I mean, and and for in that game at, at Brentford, for all that we defended like the Keystone Cops, and it was and it was sort of a bit, it was yeah, it was a bit like watching a nineteen thirties farce. Um, we did actually create uh, some chances in that game, um, if I if I recall correctly. So it, yeah, if if and and if is doing a lot of work here, if we're able to retain some sort of defensive solidity. You know, we might be able to, might be able to create some uh, decent situations against them. So, Tom, describe what you expect watching this game of football will be like. I think it'll look like every other Leeds Brentford game for the last four or five years. Um, I think we'll probably try and press them. They'll ping it to Tony. He'll play someone in. They'll run at us and they'll probably score as as they do. And but yeah, I think I do fancy us to make some chances. But I think one of our favourite buzzwords, variance, is probably going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting in this one okay <laughs> okay excellent uh so martin where will the game be won or lost um i think one of the biggest side factors will be won or lost whether brentford decide to engage with our press or if they go go more long um i think if they do go long they will likely exploit our vulnerabilities easily and in turn stop our game plan in its tracks um I do think that though, if we can make better use of our tra- traditional attacks than they do, then that will be where the game will won and lost, and that seems to be what we're saying in this section every single week because all we have is transitions. Anyway, uh, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Uh, we will be back um, after the Brentford game uh, with a review of that match, but until then, enjoy the Cardiff game, enjoy the Brentford game, Enjoy the sparkling atmosphere at Elland Road. Enjoy the fun and frolics of Jesse Marsh's Leeds United team. Enjoy your lives. Have a great week. We'll catch you soon. All right. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 